0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. We always appreciate your time, so glad you chose us. Today, I wanna talk a little bit about extremes. Uh, You know, in light of something that happened this weekend, I actually had three other ideas for today's podcast and decided that I needed to change course. We have some extreme behaviors of violence. Uh, What happened in Buffalo with an extremist going in and and harming, uh, you know, 13 people, um, many of which died. Uh, it's just, it's not acceptable. Uh, I want to start with that. That's not acceptable behavior. The violence is not going to solve what we are seeing in our world. So with that in mind, uh, I wanted to hit a little bit on how some of this is being uh, projected out into the world. And, you know, eventually I want to I wrap up and explain to you why this was such an important topic. I want to start with this positive psychology. Positive psychology, that's, that's my profession. I'm, I'm a, a therapist, a, a counselor. I'm a licensed professional counselor. And to become an LCPC, I had to go through all kinds of theory and all kinds of application, uh, you know, technique. So theory and technique, which you've heard me talk about in other podcasts. Positive psychology, I'm going to paint this for you as briefly as I can. I was, uh, you know, I played some baseball in, in high school and college. And one of the things uh, that, that I liked was studying the game and studying the, uh, the psychology of the game. Because, you know, it turns out I, I work with athletes and stuff from time to time as well, which is this is super helpful. This was this was really old research, so I, I'm assuming we've got better research today. And I, I didn't look it up, uh, but let's just go with the numbers that were that were in um, you know the the mid 2000s, like around 2005, 2006, um, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. In the study of positive psychology, it suggests something like this: if you tell a pitcher. On the mound, for those of you who don't like baseball, I apologize for using this analogy, not for liking and loving the game. If you tell a pitcher on the mound, do not throw it down and in. Same would be true in softball. Don't throw it down and in. A pitcher is over 30% more likely to throw it down and in. We started asking the question, why? We told them not to throw it. They could throw it anywhere else they want, just not down and in. Well, if that same pitcher was told, throw it up and away, or any other spot, down and away, up and in, if they were told to throw it up and away, they were 70% more likely to hit their spot. Those are statistically significant that's massive shifts. Those were the, that was the data that I researched. And again, this was probably 15 years ago. The, the, the research may suggest you know, that those numbers aren't perfect. Um, maybe it's only a 50% increase, or maybe it's, it's only uh, you know, a 20% increase in the, uh, uh, the spot. But let's say it were only a 5% difference in both directions. I can make a 10% change just by focusing on what I want as opposed to what I don't. Like, that is that is a huge amount of difference to focus on what I want as opposed to what I don't. So when I see somebody write a goal, you know, I don't want to fill in the blank anymore. The focus, though that may be a great idea, if the focus is not on what we want, but what we don't want, we're more likely to get more of what we don't want. Positive psychology. You can go do the research on your own. I'm sure those those data points have shifted over time. We probably have more data. It may strengthen my argument. It may weaken it a little bit, but let's be real. With those data points that I gave you, let's say it was 50% off. We're still making a massive shift by focusing on what we want as opposed to what we don't want. When we focus on what we want, we also improve resiliency, the ability to survive and strengthen ourselves over time. And the reason that this happens in the positive psychology world is because resiliency comes from us noticing what we're getting. We, if we set a positive goal and we recognize those small successes— we build resiliency, confidence, courage, bravery. We build the ability to say, I can make things in my environment more suitable to me if I'm doing certain things. Resilience. So positive psychology is saying these things. What's happening in extreme situations? There's another cycle, not the positive psychology cycle. We get more of what we look for. That's positive psychology. We tell ourselves what we want to accomplish as opposed to what we don't want to. That's positive psychology. The next cycle is the fear cycle. The fear cycle is very, very powerful. i start with, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Fear is an emotional response to a given situation. An emotional response to a given situation. Why is that important? Because feelings are not always truths. Matter of fact, they're often not truths. So that's important to keep that in mind. Types of safety. When we're looking at fear, I'm flipping the coin and I'm saying, what we're actually trying to do is create safety. What are the categories of safety that we would want to create? Physical, spiritual, emotional, and relational. Relational. Those are the categories of safety. So if we harm physical safety, we harm spiritual safety, we harm emotional safety, we harm relational safety, or any one of those categories, we are essentially inciting an emotional response, fear. When people are afraid, the tendency is to survive. We want to survive. It's not about thriving when we're in fear. We want to survive. And the best way to survive, when you, if you follow me, the best way to survive is relationally, to get together with other people and survive as a group. Humans have been doing that for thousands of years. If that's the necessity, then we cannot end up outside of the main groupings. Hence, these groupings become very, very, very important. Okay, so I'm going to recap real quick because I know I'm going through this kind of fast. Many of you I know out there are plenty plenty brilliant. You're picking this up. You're like, okay, I'm tracking, I'm tracking. But for those of you who may have gotten lost, I'm going to just recap real quick. The positive psychology, I'm not going to go into the details. That's one angle. The other angle is the fear cycle. And the fear cycle is the feeling because it's a feeling, the types of safety, which can, when they're damaged, can cause fear, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, and then the desire to be in a group because we survive best when we are grouped with other people. We do not survive best being alone on the outside. So no matter what, we cannot end up on the outside. Hence, all this allying that's going on. People are joining this cause or this cause or this cause or this cause. And so it goes. This is is the psychological pathway to some of these extreme behaviors. When we focus on fear, I want to emphasize this. This is super important from a psychological standpoint. It eliminates time, energy, and resources for love, empathy, care, when we are focused on the fear, we don't have the time and space. It's just like when we are, uh, if, if any of you have ever experienced a, you know, a, a grieving process or a depression, the sim, it's, almost, it's almost the same in that sense. We are so focused on just surviving that it seems like other information can't get in. It's a roadblock of its own. Because it takes away our time, energy, and resources. And then we can't focus them on the things that are actually going to improve the way things are. Love, kindness, goodness. And that's a problem. So how this plays out, you're, you, you may be wondering, I started telling you it was going to be a, you know, this extremist, but extremists, right? The idea that when we have an extreme, we follow it up with an extreme. So how does this play out? I'm going to just bring up two topics that are both going, going to probably charge the emotions in the audience. On one hand, we have CRT, critical race theory. On another, we have the great replacement theory. Now, if any of you are not familiar with those, uh, please get familiar with them because the world is going to throw them at you until enough people understand these concepts to do something better than these two options because these are not good options. Um, When we're talking about the clinical work, I just cannot see a way in which these are going to be our best options. There's got to be something better. What both of these say is that we are going to, they they start with this premise that there are oppressors and victims. Both of them do. If you're given only two options, be an oppressor or be a victim, which one do you want? For me, it's a pretty easy answer. I, I think for most of you out there, I got smart listeners you're probably going, yeah, That, duh, I don't, I don't want to be a victim. I know that. So I would move toward the oppressor. I don't think that's the right thinking. I'm telling you that that's the thinking that comes out of extremes being on both sides. Then they ally. Well, if I have to choose a side, you don't. You don't have to choose a side. I don't have to choose one of those sides or the other. There's other options, but in the midst of fear, we tend to choose an ally. We tend to do that because remember what I said earlier in the fear cycle, we can't end up on the outside. So thus we have extreme begets extreme. You start with extreme, you end with extreme, and it's not necessary. These are not truths. CRT doesn't tell truths. The Great Replacement Theory doesn't tell truths. There may be some truths within each of them, but they are not truths. We are not destined to oppress. We don't have to be. We are also not destined to be victims. We don't have to be. So if we follow this positive psychology, the fear cycle, the solution becomes, to me, relatively obvious. Now, this is just to me. I, and remember, I'm in many ways, I'm like you in that I am having to learn and grow and get better myself. The most obvious solution to me is let's focus on we what we want. We know that that changes that changes the dial a lot. We. I, you know, my numbers may have been off because the research that I, I, when I researched it, you know, 15 years ago or so, you know, those numbers, but the research positive psychology is still around and it's still around for a reason because it gives us information. It tells us that it's better to look at the positive. We're going to get more if we look for the positive around us, in us. We've got to look for positive. That doesn't mean that we can, um, you you know, get lost in looking for only positives. When we see something that's dangerous or not good, to recognize it is fine. But then the question quickly becomes, in positive psychology at least, okay, how do I focus my energy on what I want? That's the focus. Okay, if that bad thing is happening, how do I focus on what I want? Well, it's really obvious to me that we don't focus on CRT or the Great Replacement. What we focus on is how do we create love in our community so that our community doesn't have these extreme behaviors? How do we focus energy on my school? How do we focus it on my place of work so that we can... Look, it takes oftentimes one moment of your day to make somebody else go to bed at night thinking, wow, that one person noticed me in a good way. One moment of your day can do that. You can brighten somebody's day in one moment of yours. Change their whole outlook in one moment. So I would say that's at least in part some of the solution. Now, I do want to hit on a couple of, uh, of things about these, these theories, One, CRT was originally designed to be a legal theory. If you've listened to some of my podcasts, you will hear things about that. The Great Replacement is considered to be a political theory. Now, both of them have become political theories, in my opinion, based on what I see. Political theory does not insinuate facts. What they are looking at, remember, politics is about emotions. They want to play on your emotions to get your vote. If that is true, which it appears to be in the vast majority of political arenas, it's about emotions. It is not about facts. It is not about truths. Now, I think that's unfortunate. I think we should probably take a look at what that means about our political um, landscape. But I'm not a politician, I'm a therapist. So what I can say from my perspective is if political theory, if this is a political theory and they're trying to key in on emotions, they're going to do what they got to do to poke at the emotions that, that elicit the response that they want. If they want extreme behaviors, they're going to poke at that. If they want your vote, they'll poke at that. If they want you to feel like, uh, you know, you can trust them they'll poke at that but that's what it's designed it's political theory is used to explain uh, manipulation of masses that's what i that, that's my perspective on it based on not being a politician if it's designed to explain the manipulation of masses it really is a social science to a degree that's why i feel somewhat confident not totally confident i know i get all kinds of feedback now i feel somewhat confident in saying that if it's a manipulation of the masses it is to a degree some kind of a social science it's just one track minded it's about emotions well I will go down this tangent that just came to my mind for a moment before I let you all go. There is a study in psychology about emotions. Uh, They're, you know, emotionally focused therapy, EFT. Emotionally focused therapy is designed to elicit emotion and then it's designed to be able to use that to help um, an individual grow and become uh, more in control of the emotions. But then they take into consideration the effects it will have on others, the self and the other, right? That way, they're not, um, we're not teaching insensitivity. We're teaching time and place, Emotionally focused therapy is an interesting track, and I think it very closely can align to some of the political theory, because it's, it's a manipulation of emotion to get the learning and growth. Political theory is supposed to do that too, only not at the individual level like EFT would. It's supposed to do it in masses, because it's about votes, it's about the, the, big, the big cultural stuff. Those of you who want to research more of EFT, go for it. Uh, that's why I threw that out there, even though it came to me as a last-second tangent. Um, hopefully, you were able to track with me. Uh, you know, I, this these kinds of uh, you know ac- activities going on in our world that that spark um, you know for me a desire to come on here and talk about a current event. I'm going to keep doing that. I know it can be frustrating because you're not going to get the perfect words from me. You're going to get a clinical look because I told you from the beginning, I'm going to give a clinical look to the things that are happening, you know, in individuals, in groups, in culture. That's, that's important to me. And I want to stay focused on that. But these current events, they invoke, uh, you know, a need for us to have these kinds of conversations in real time. So hopefully this was helpful and you are looking at things in maybe a little bit of a different light right now than you did uh, 20 minutes ago when we started. Thanks for joining us and have a great day.